Good to see everyone. Um, last Sunday we talked about the um, how uh, how important it is to um, read um, to read the um, to read the Old Testament scriptures in a certain way where you see um, Jesus Himself, and we talked a little bit about how on the road to Emmaus, you know, those disciples. Jesus revealed himself to those disciples. And then when he, they ran all the way back to Jerusalem for joy to tell the apostles they had seen Jesus himself after the resurrection. And then he suddenly appeared in the room. You know, we talked about that. And how he opened their understanding, the scripture says, last chapter of Luke, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then, he, then after he did that supernatural thing, he then said, beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all things, these, all this is about, about me, he said. I have fulfilled all things. And so it's, a, uh, it's, it's really, it's so important because if we don't see that all the scriptures are about him. And of course, at that time, there was no gospel written, no letters of Paul. There wasn't even a Paul. There was just a Saul. He wasn't even a believer yet. So he's talking about the Old Testament. Remember we talked about how a Hebrew Bible has three divisions. If you go to a synagogue, you can pick up or go to any kind of Jewish bookstore and buy their Bible. Of course, it's not going to have a New Testament in it. And they don't call it the Old Testament because obviously to them it's the Testament. But you look in the contents and it says law, prophets, psalms. Three divisions. Under that is the first five books of the Bible under the law, the Torah. Under prophets are the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, so forth. And then under Psalms are all the rest of the books of the Bible, the minor prophets, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, etc. So when Jesus said in the writings of Moses, which is the law, in the law, the prophets and the Psalms, all that spoke of me. He he was actually saying the entire Bible, Old Testament, was about him. And this is so key because what, what happens, people read the scriptures and they'll see um, let me ask you this. Are there contradictions in the scripture? Are there, are there any contradictions? Mm-hmm. Absolutely there are. That's why we got to read it. Learn, learn, we have to read it in the way the spirit. Because there's one scripture that says righteousness. You only, you're only righteous if you do the law and keep the commandments and do what is right. Then you're righteous. That's one scripture. There's another scripture that says, because you believe on the one who did all things, the obedient one, you are righteous by faith. That's contradictory. It's as, like we said last Sunday, it's just like God telling Abraham to slay Isaac and then telling Abraham not to slay Isaac. If that's not a contradictory statement, I don't know what is. Kill him, don't kill him. You know? So it's, a, it's crucial that we know how to read the scriptures, the Old Testament, so that, and, and it includes a lot of the Gospels too, because as we talked about, Jesus was born under the law and he ministered as one under the law to the people because the new covenant did not begin until he died on the tree. When he died and the veil was rent in two in the temple, God signified the beginning of the new covenant. And so he fulfilled all things as a man under the law. And he would speak to the people as one under the law to magnify the law, to bring them to the end of themselves, to prepare them for the righteousness, which is by faith. And that's why he would say things like, oh, you think you have, you think you're righteous because you haven't committed adultery. I say, if you've lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery. 
Oh, you say you haven't murdered anybody, but I say if you're angry with anybody, you've already committed murder in your heart. What did he do that for? And we have preachers in the world today telling people, this is the high standard we must, we must keep. God expects you not to have any lust in your heart. God expects you never to be angry with anybody. And if you're angry with anybody, if you have any lust in your heart, then you're not righteous and you're not going to heaven. I mean, people teach that because they don't understand how to rightly divide the scripture and see what Jesus was doing. He's trying to bring them to the end of themselves so they can say there's no hope. And that's what Romans says. For there's none good, no, not one. So that we would be prepared to receive this awesome gift. The scripture says, he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Now, of course, we know the rest of the story is that when we're joined to him, there's a new life within. And that life doesn't, you know, walk in lust and live in hate and all that stuff. That's God's wisdom, that his life in us would reproduce after its own kind, the fruit of the spirit. But that's a fruit of what is. That's not trying to be so you, are, so you are. You're not trying to do in order to be. You see who you are, and in that rest, life just is. Life will find a way, like Jurassic Park said. <laughs> life will find a way. Life in us will find a way. The fruit will come forth if we are resting in that union that we have in Him. Okay. So... It's crucial that we know how to read the scripture. And there are so many Old Testament scriptures that contradict the new covenant. Because it's, an old co- it's the old covenant. Paul says things like the righteousness which is by faith does not speak like Moses spoke. Because Moses spoke in terms of obedience for righteousness. Whereas the new covenant speaks in terms of faith in the obedient one, Christ Jesus. And Jesus said this, he said, think not that I've come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Now, what does that mean? This is so cool. I think not I've come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. To destroy the law would be for Jesus to say, God has, God has decided, the Father has decided to lower his standard because no one's making it. No one's good enough and we've got to lower the standard so we can get some people in heaven. This is ridiculous. And so we're going to mark off this law and this law. We'll keep, we'll keep thou shalt not steal. That's a good one. But this one, will, you know, that's destroying the law. That's, that's reducing God's holiness to man's standard. Jesus said, think not that I've come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Fulfill it he did. In him, you're not 80%. You're not 95%. You are perfect. You are complete in him, perfect in him. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Perfection. The law which could make nothing perfect, scripture says, or that which could, that which could not make any, the law could not make any perfect, oh, but God in Christ has made us perfect. Isn't that awesome? The perfection has come, but it's a faith perfection. It's a rest. It's, it's looking to Him. So, when we read scriptures in the Old Testament that seem to put us on the treadmill of works and seem to put us on a, uh, a performance-based relationship with God, we need to know how to make that switch in our minds and not eat that in, not eat that in as if that is the covenant we're under. We are no longer under a performance-based relationship with God in this new covenant. Hey, Judith, we're no longer in a performance-based relationship with God. We are on a faith-based relationship with God completely because of Him. 
Now, I was talking to um, uh, a brother not too long ago, and he, he made this statement. And, and um, tell, me what, tell me what you think about this statement. I want to hear some feedback. What, what, what do you think about this statement? He said this. He said, I know, I, I believe in the grace of God. I know I'm forgiven. Uh, I, grace is no problem with me. I know that. But I need to, you know, I need to, um, I, I need, you know, um, to delve into, you know, why, the, delve into my flesh and, and get free of my flesh and, and, you know, things like that. I mean, I understand grace. I understand forgiveness. I know I'm forgiven. I know God loves me. But, but you know, I, I need to really get free of certain things and, and uh, you know, I need to talk about these things and, and, and get free. Well, what do you think about that statement? Is it wrong to share our faults with one another and share our weaknesses with one another? No. no. That's not wrong. But what do, you, what do you pick up in that statement, though? What's that? Yeah. And what Judith says is, is really the crucial point is that the covenant, the new covenant, the finished work of Christ is not just about forgiveness. See, that's the reason why we read the Old Testament wrongly and we try to harmonize law and grace. We try to put them together instead of reinterpreting what the scripture is saying in light of Christ. See, one thing, we're afraid to do that because it's the word of God and we're afraid to change the words of God. But Paul did it all the time. He said, the law said this, but grace says this. Jesus said, you've heard it written, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, no, turn the other cheek. Jesus himself taught us. But if we don't know how to rightly divide the, the scriptures, it will be, it'll bring confusion. It'll bring... Paul said this, he said, in the reading of the Old Testament, a veil remains over their minds because they don't see Christ in the scripture. Jesus said this, you search these scriptures and you think in these scriptures you have life. And he's talking about the Old Testament. There was no gospel. There was no epistles of Paul. You search the scriptures and you think in these scriptures you have life, but they speak of me and you won't come to me, but you might have life. You see? So what does this brother's, what, what does this brother need to see that said that, see, I think, I think when I hear someone say, oh, I, I, I know grace, I believe, it. I, I got that. I got forgiveness, I got that. But I got, to, yeah, Wim? He's still, he's still in the works. He's walking with us. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to say it? See, we, the new covenant, it's what I tried to share that Sunday um, August 23rd, if you weren't here that Sunday, I really encourage you to go on the website and listen to that message, August 23rd, Living by the Life of Another Within. We um, are slow to see that Jesus himself has become our life. You see, it's not just that we're forgiven. It's not just that grace is, is, that we live now in grace, but another has come within. A life, the life 
of Jesus himself. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It's a revelation. It is a revelation of a union of another that lives within. It's what Jesus, it's the way Jesus lived on earth. He said, said, my father in me speaks the words. They're not my words. He said, it's my father in me. My father in me does the works. And as I live by my father, so shall you live by me. I'm telling you, saints, we can miss the, the really, the, for, don't forget, the gospel in, involves the death of Jesus and the resurrection. See? It's death, atonement, forgiveness, grace, resurrection, life, power, union, new creation. So if we don't see that we're new inside, we will constantly try to tweak the flesh. And part of the tweaking of the flesh is we feel like if I can just talk about my problems with each other, which is a very important part. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's not important. Scripture talks about confess your faults one to another. Talk about your weaknesses and pray for one another that you may, that you may be healed. But pray what? Pray that the flesh, will get, the flesh will get healed? Pray that the flesh would get better? See? What is it? What is it that we pray? We pray as Paul prayed, oh, that the eyes of your heart, the new heart you have in Christ might be open, that you might see the exceeding riches of his inheritance in the saints, this power that is in you, the same power that the father used to raise his son up from the dead and ascended him, caused him to ascend above all principalities and powers. It's a revelation of a union with God, with Christ himself. See? An encouragement. Galatians 6, 1 talks about if you see a brother caught or trapped in a fleshly sin, we talked about that at great length. You know, you who are spiritual, meaning spiritually minded, you see these realities in Christ. You see as God sees, go and restore. Restore what? Restore his flesh? No, restore his faith. Help him see again. Encourage him to see. What does Peter say? If you're not abounding in the fruit of the spirit of kindness and brotherly kindness and love and joy and peace, Peter says you have forgotten. You're blind and short-sighted, nearsighted. You've become blind and nearsighted of the truth, having forgotten that you were once purged from all your sin. This, this reality of, of forgiveness and union and righteousness and life, all these things. So why, see, I believe once we really see that it's not about fixing the flesh, it's not about, you know, let's go find our inner child and let's talk to our inner child. It's not about the man's, man's psychology. It's man's way to, is, is all about trying to fix the flesh. These things are heavenly realities. They are foolishness of the natural mind. You talk to a psychologist about how you have been transferred from death into life, that on the inside you're a new creation, he'll think you are crazy because he has no idea. And we go and seek counsel from the ungodly who have, they have no idea about this new creation. It is foolishness to the natural mind. I, all, I, there's a red flag. There's all, a red flag comes up in me. Anytime I hear someone trying to help people get free of their bondages or their flesh, whatever, there's a red flag in me that when I, I, very, I don't hardly ever hear them mention anything about how they've already died and they've already been raised and they're joined to Christ. It's all about emotion. It's all about working through your emotion. It's all about, you know, trying to forgive the past. It's all about looking to your inner child. It's all about you trying to fix you. And you don't see that in the writings of the apostles. You don't see that. Why is it not there? But what is there? 
page after page after page of a great mystery of your own death, of your own burial, your own resurrection, your union with him, and how he lives with you now in him is the reality. See? But that's, you get persecuted with that kind of preaching. Because it's just, you know, some people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear something they, they can wrap their brain around, their hands around. Yes? In light of that, what is the perspective? Because it's so good to me. Uh, take up your own cross and follow me. Sure. We mentioned that a few weeks ago. Um, all that's talking about is Jesus said that you and I would be rejected in this world. As he was hated, so shall we be hated. As he was accepted, we shall be accepted by, by others too, by, by others in the body of Christ. But we are going to be rejected, generally speaking, by this world. As he was given a cross of rejection, what he was comparing, he's just basically saying, it has nothing to do with sin. The, the carrying of the cross has nothing to do with sin or the flesh or getting free from bondage or none of that. Because Jesus had no sin and he was given a cross. He was without sin. He had done nothing wrong, and yet he was rejected. They have hated me without a cause, he says. So he says, in the same way they they have hated me, they will hate you. So when you're rejected by this world, take up that cross. Don't give it back. In other words, don't reject those who are rejecting you, even as I did not reject them. Even as I prayed for them as they were nailing the nails in my hands. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's That's what that's all about. And if you seek to save your life, in other words, if you, if you want them to accept you, if you want the world to love you, and you seek to save your life and not have this sense of rejection from the world, you'll lose it. Because you can't be a disciple and seek the friendship of the world, the scripture says. How can you do that? You see, that's what he's talking about. It's that simple. He's basically saying to the believer, don't be afraid. Rejection will come. I tell you these things ahead of time, he said, that you will not be offended. I tell you these things ahead of time, that these things will happen to you. And this message of Christ being your all in all, it was the apostles' passion. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. We're dull of hearing because we have been, our diet has been the law and, the, and tweaking the flesh and human psychology and um, Greek philosophy. Greek philosophy. Has got, has got into the church where we, we don't, the spiritual reality is far into our ears. And yet when we hear it, we hear it, we're like children. Oh my God, what was that? My spirit just leaped. What was that? You see? Right, Barbara? Yes. We have no idea how much human philosophy has crept into our thinking concerning the gospel. We put reason above revelation. We put intelligence above a humble seeking heart that can receive from God. God says, I hide these things from the wise and prudent and I reveal them to babes. It's awesome. So, I believe that one of the reasons why we mix the two covenants are, are the reason why we can't clearly see Christ in the Old Testament is because this aspect of the new covenant or the grace of God is still not a vibrant revelation inside of us, which is Christ in me. It's my life. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I 
but Christ lives in me. If you see that everything is Christ, as Paul said, Christ is all in all, that Christ has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, all things. He, by being joined to him, I am as he is in the earth, John said. When you see that, then when you read the Old Testament and you see, if you do these things, you will be righteous, you go, thank God that's not true. (laughs) With boldness, you can say, there is, a, there is one who has done all those things. And my hope and my faith is in him. And you can do exactly like Paul said and change the words of Moses. And we didn't have time to get to it, but we'll, one day we'll get to this. Take a, take a look at it if you want to, but it's, it's before that. It's maybe next Sunday. Romans 10, Paul takes the words of Moses. He quotes Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Moses is, is giving the blessings and the cursings to the children of Israel. Blessings and cursings to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 30. Paul quotes Moses' words in Romans 10 and says, But the righteousness which is by faith doesn't speak like that anymore. And where Moses said to the people, You have the law now. You have no excuses. Do it and you'll live and be blessed. Don't do it. And you will die and be cursed. Don't say, who shall go up into the mountains, into the heavens to get the law? For the, the law is here, it's come down and you have it. Don't say, who will go into the depths of the sea to find the law? For it is here, you have the commandments to keep it. It is in your mouth, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart, it is in your words. I have given them to you, Moses said. I have given them and put them into your mouth because I've made you read them back to me. That's what they were under. Moses, Paul takes Moses' words in Romans 10 and says, But the righteousness which is by faith does not speak like that. And then he quotes Moses and he says, Do not say who shall ascend to the heavens. To, and then Paul changes the words. He goes, That is to say, Don't say who shall go into the heavens and find Christ. For he's come. And don't say who shall go into the depths to find that is, Paul said. He changes the words of Moses and find Christ, for he's been raised from the dead. Even now, the word is in your mouth and in your heart, quoting Moses, the word of faith, that if you believe in your heart, you are righteous. Isn't that awesome? Perfect example. Of Paul changing the words of Moses and bringing the people to the revelation of the new covenant in Christ. No longer commandments to keep. It's not about obedience to commandments. It's about the obedience of faith. Paul says, I've been sent to the nations to proclaim the mystery of Christ. That I might bring the nations to the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith means you cause them to see they could never be righteous in themselves. And they believe on on the obedient one. But I'm telling you, saints, the big, big deal is seeing the the crowning work of the Son of God. Behold the riches of the glory of the mystery of Christ. The riches of the glory of the mystery of Christ. Christ inside of you. Your hope of glory.
the mystery of Christ, the hidden truth of the Christ, the revelation of the Son within the Father was a revelation that the men didn't understand, that there was a Son hidden within the Father, a word within the word, a wheel within the wheel, the Son. They had no idea that the Son of David would be God in the flesh, the Son of God, hidden to take upon himself the death of all mankind, that all flesh might be blotted out, that a new creation might be raised in his resurrection. Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am, Peter? You are the Christ. You're the anointed one. And now we realize that the anointed one that was to come, the Messiah that was to come, is the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed this secret to you, but my Father in heaven, I am. I am before Abraham was. I am hidden in the Father, now revealed to do the work that only I can do for mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And now the riches of the glory of that mystery is the son who was hidden in the Father. That same son is now hidden in you. For our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. That is where life is, saints. Don't be beguiled as Eve was beguiled by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and moved from the simplicity of Christ, the centrality of Christ. Camp right there. Live there. Let the Holy Spirit open our eyes to where when you, when you hear that phrase, to live is Christ, you know exactly what that means. We are new in Him. We are new in Him. We're not getting better and better. At what point are you good enough for heaven? At what point are you holy enough or righteous enough? See, God's work is perfect. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. But natural man scoffs at it. But the scripture says in Acts 13, Paul reading to his own Jewish friends, he said, Take heed that this does not happen to you as it was written in the prophets. You marvel at this message. You scoff at this message. And yet you perish. For the script, for the Lord says, I will work a work. I will work a work, the Lord says. I will work a work in your day that though a man describe it to you, you will not believe it. He's talking to his own Jewish brothers. They didn't believe it. Some did. Because the very next verse says, those who believed Paul came to him and urged that he would speak more of this, of the grace of God. And they followed Paul to hear more about it. Yes. Yeah, the ones that wanted to kill him said no. As Jesus said, the new wine must be in a new wineskin. But people say the old wine is better. Yeah, what does that, does that indicate people's resistance to new ideas and change and stuff? Absolutely. And this is like the biggest new idea in the world. Yeah. The, the biggest new, biggest change. That's exactly right. I and mean, we're, we're, t- we're talking about the end of the world as we know it. And a new world. A new race. That's exactly right. I mean, Paul says, I was crucified to the world. The world's crucified to me. We're talking about a brand new creation here. Galatians, he ends this letter saying, this is the rule to keep. If you want to keep a rule, here's the rule. Are you a new creation? Mercy and peace be upon you. That's exactly right. I love that analogy about the shirts. You know, men have a hole in their shirt and they, it's their favorite shirt and they don't want to get rid of it. So they take a new shirt, Jesus said, and they cut a hole out of a new shirt and sew it on the hole of the shirt they really like, the one that's comfortable, the one they wear in the wintertime that's all soft and flannel. And they have this big hole now in this brand new shirt. 
And then that whole, that patch doesn't work because they washed the shirt and the shirt, the new patch begins to pull away, Jesus said, because it's new fabric and it shrinks and it won't even hold. It looks bad. And now you've got a new shirt that's ruined and an old shirt that's not fixed because they're trying to fix the flesh. They're trying to stay in the natural mindset. Then you have the new wine that goes into new wineskins, not the old wineskin that's already stretched out. And you put the new wine in old wineskins and it begins to change and ferment and it cracks and falls. But the new wineskin is a new mindset. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. The mindset, a new mindset, a new wineskin to take in the life, the wine of life, the new life, water to wine at a wedding feast, a revelation of union, of a new creation. I tell you, it's the adventure of a life. God living through me. As, as Clark said, we can walk on water. We're not limited to the boat that's sinking. Those who, who look to psychologists and natural means of, and fleshly means of trying to improve and tweak the flesh and Greek philosophy and all these things to try to understand themselves, they're on a sinking boat. And God is on the water, something that doesn't make any sense to the natural mind, standing on the water that's about to destroy them in the boat and says, come to me, to me. To me, Jesus said, to me, come to me, come to me, me, I'm a person, come to me. And Peter says, if that's really you saying this, Lord, bid me come, come. And Peter walks on the thing that is about to drown him. And now he's got the whole lake to walk on. He's free. And even when he begins to sink because of his doubts. Jesus is there immediately, the scripture says, don't be afraid, Peter. It's not about you, Peter, it's about me. Don't let the storm take your eyes off of me. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus came to give us. He didn't die and be raised again. This secret was not kept secret for centuries. Many kings and prophets desire to see the things that you see and hear the things you hear, and they did not. These things were hidden even from Lucifer. He did not know the hidden mystery. Corinthians says, had the Lord of this world known of the, the uh, mystery, the wisdom, the mystery, the hidden in God, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the, had the wicked one understood the mystery, it was hidden even from Lucifer before his fall. He had no idea. That's why he kept, who is this? He, calls, he claims to be the son of God. What is this son of God? Well, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks to bread. He had no idea. That's why Jesus could not talk too much about anything until the work was accomplished. He says, I cannot tell you much now, but afterwards you can shout it from the housetops because it'll be too late to stop it. Isn't that awesome? It's glorious. That's why they turned the world upside down, preaching Jesus, not preaching a method or a way of of, uh, change. No, he was the way. He himself is the way, the truth, and the life. See? And when that's so clear, it's so easy to read the Old Testament and see him. It's so easy. God did not make this thing hard. We just see Christ as everything, and it's easy. 
He's the tabernacle. He's the veil. He's the nails that they've held the tent down. He's the ark that they went into with one door. He's the one door. He's the one window. He's the dove. He's everything. He's everything. That's why their hearts burned within them on the road to Emmaus. He opened the scriptures to them about himself. And they found a freedom in him that was not about them, but about him. And it released them to walk on the lake. Oh. Did they make this so I can kick it? I'm kidding. Uh, well, I really encourage you to check out Romans 10, Deuteronomy 30. See it for yourself. Because if I can talk you into something, the next guy, the next woman can talk you out of it. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And let the revelation be so deep in us that the only word, the almost the only word in our lips is Jesus. Jesus is Christ. Union with him. Fellowship with him. The love of God should have broadened our hearts. Life will find a way. As we rest in his life, life will find a way to get out. You won't be able to stop it. They couldn't but speak what they'd seen and heard. You will be kind to people you were not kind to before and you will be amazed. How did I do that? You didn't. Wow, I'm, for, I'm able to forgive people I was always struggling with forgiving. How did I do that? You didn't. Christ in me. Living, forgiving, forgetting the past. Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget that which is past. And I press on to that which God has called me to. What has God called us to? He says, not that I've, not that I've, not that I've attained yet. People read that and they go, oh, see, 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 he's not righteous yet. No. In the, in the context, what has God called us to? The full manifestation of the Christ through our bodies. That we might all be built up a manifestation of the Son of God. And Paul says, I'm still not manifesting how awesome and wonderful he is. The one inside of me. I press forward. I forget that which is past. I forget that fleshly outburst when the high priest said, you know, something. And I said, God shall. Oh, yeah, the high priest slapped Paul, you know. And Paul says, God shall slap you, you whited sepulcher. And he goes, oh, God, uh, forgive me. I shouldn't say that to you. You're a priest. And it's so cool because that was Paul. His flesh, Paul's flesh. They slapped Jesus. And what did Jesus do? The high priest slapped Jesus and Jesus said, for what evil thing did I do that you slapped me? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Paul couldn't handle it. See, that's what Paul was saying. Paul was like, I'm not yet close to manifesting how awesome he is inside of me. That's what he's talking about, saints. Barbara, close in prayer.
that we have in you and your glorious inheritance that you have in us. Lord, we pray that we would be bodies holy, filled and flooded with your Holy Spirit and that we would begin to walk more and more and more day by day by day in that unseen realm, letting that manifestation of the glory of God come through our bodies. God, thank you. Thank you. I ask for your blessing on James and his family, that you would protect them and keep them safe. Oh, God, thank you for this next week. Thank you, Jesus. For your love manifesting through us. That we would be able to encourage each other. Yes. With the life of Christ that is in us and that is in them. Yes. Oh, God, we just glory in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.